Jason Moore, ladies and gentlemen, from the Fantasy Footballers. Jason, we are live. This is the Fantasy Football Show with your host, Smitty. Top five running back. You're watching the Fantasy Football Show. Smitty. What's up? What's up, man? Nice to finally get you on the show. I've had uh, your counterparts on. They did a fantastic job. People loved them. And uh, very, very glad to have you on the show right now. And I've got a room full of people that, that are excited to see you. So welcome. Yeah. Happy to be here. Glad you saved the best for last, but uh, yes, understandable. Sir. Yes, sir. Um, we are pretty close by each other. Um, I, b- I believe if you yell outside right now, I might I might actually even be able to hear you. Yeah, you're in the valley, right? I am. That's uh, well. Congratulations to both of us. Yeah, we explain fantasy sports finally being legalized here. Ridiculous. Explain, explain. So uh, you know, like a lot of states, uh, Arizona is one where you can't play DFS, um, and that's been a long-standing battle. Uh, Stacy Stern, who's you know one one of the leaders uh, of the FSGA. She's local from here, and she's been spending years and years and years trying to get uh, legislation passed. We, the, the ballers, have gone down to the, the local Senate here and, and been participants in years past to try to get legislation passed. But it finally happened. It was signed today by the governor. So uh, not just legal fantasy sports betting, but right. full sports betting. Sports books will be open and legal in Arizona I never, I genuinely did not think that would, I mean, I mean, eventually, you know, five, five years down the road, but I did not think we'd be here this quick and that that'll be in place for 2021 NFL. Oh my God. Yeah. I've, I've reached out to a couple of the daily fantasy sports sites and, and the typical, I think time frame to get it launched and working on their systems is about a one to three month time frame. So just to let people know if you are in Arizona and you know, you're, you're wondering when can you actually participate but man we've been at a disadvantage because you know it's hard to crank out content the same way on a dfs level you know to the to the to the likes that we like to crank it out with the efficiency and and accuracy when you literally have these limitations that are sitting in front of you so it's going to open the door to to the ballers to my show uh opportunities are going to be through the roof and i'm i'm so excited man to be able to to not just go like fly a, a drone over with my cell phone over the border of a state and make a bet and fly it back like i can actually place a dfs bet and cash it out in my own name yeah that's that's that is the the thing i'm i'm excited about you know we we talk uh, hypothetically. We give the advice on on certain things. Now it's like I I want to do this. You know, we've in years past with uh, underdog or previously draft. You know, we I, I've played a you know a million best balls, but I can only play in the ones that when I'm traveling. Uh, you know, I entered the league even if I don't start it for a while when I was in New York or whatever. Yeah. Um, now, goodness, my yeah my amount the amount of best ball leagues I'm going to play is. Probably too many. I mean, I'm I've, I'm going to have to create some spreadsheets to track that stuff. I'm thrilled. The best ball drafts, I'm going to get in those like crazy. I'm going to do a ton of mock drafts on those, or not mock drafts, best ball drafts, like all offseason long. So as soon as this opens up, man, I'm going to be I'm going to be live all the time doing these. Um, so, yeah, congratulations to us, Arizona. It's long overdue. Uh, how many states are left not being able to, to bet on daily fantasy? 
Um, you know, I, I don't know the exact number for daily fantasy. I know for the sports gaming since that was ratified in the Constitution, 26. We are now the 26th um, country or country state, but including Puerto Rico, uh, that is now passed legislation. That's awesome, man. I'm, I'm so, so pumped. Um, so, you know, we have about uh, uh, 55 minutes left in the show. You can jump whenever you need to. You can stay as long as you want to. But one thing I was going to touch on right out of the gate was some of the rookie rankings, running backs, wide receivers. Um, who is it possible in your mind that the Arizona Cardinals, we're both in Arizona, still might potentially throw a curveball and 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 draft Najee Harris. He was someone I was pegging uh, to get taken by the Cardinals. Or, you know, not 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 like fifty percent odds, but like you know, 40 percent chance that they want to give Kyler Murray a little bit more room to to squeeze outside the pocket and throw on the run to the, to, to Hopkins uh, without having you know defenses completely keying on him. And I think that Harris would be a wonderful addition for this offense. But do you think that signing a James Conner number one completely eliminates that? Or do you think if he's on the board, they they still would take it and they're paying Connor, you know, only one point four or whatever? And what's your take on the backfield in general? Yeah, I I don't think that signing James Connor completely rules out the Arizona Cardinals from being able to draft a running back, but it it probably is the tiebreaker that will put us elsewhere. Like if Najee were to fall to us in the second round, yeah, I could see them saying, "Well, we did not expect this to happen. We can use our second rounder." But I, you know, I don't anticipate that happening. Um, and if, you know, we're staring down Javante in the second like that. Uh, versus, you know, a cornerback that we need, if we didn't do that in the first round, I, I would expect us to rely on James Conner. As far as the outlook of the Cardinals backfield, um, one, I, you know, a lot of people have been like super Chase Edmonds this whole offseason. He's going to yep. be the guy. I've never, you know, we're, we're both in Arizona. I've never thought that he was going to be utilized in that fashion at all. So I've never viewed him as this huge top-end talent for for drafts. However, the signing of James Conner is about as good as it gets for him because if someone were to come in uh, and, and now has, you can't be much better than a super affordable running back who played poorly last year and is plagued with injuries. So I do think, you know, uh, Chase Edmonds' ADP will drop and he could be a real value in, in drafts now because of James Conner. Yeah, I think they do ultimately go running back at some point, whether it's, you know, Hubbard falls to him at a crazy value or like they, they go another direction. But I think there'll be a rookie in there at some point. But I, I agree with you. The odds go down tremendously that they would take Harris. And people were really against it anyway before that, saying that's not going to happen. But I just felt like if I'm in control of this offense and I'm trying to get Kyler Murray to that, that next level, I feel like that would be the difference maker for him. Um, and defense is already much improved. I, you know, obviously we need a corner. I think Farley or or Sertain, if they fell, would be good options for him in the first round anyway. But um, what what's your take on Harris versus ETN, ETN versus Harris, or are you a Javonta Williams believer? Because if he landed in the – he's the guy I think out of all these players could go right to 1.1, even though he's like right now 1.5, 1.6, 1.7. Like it's crazy that landing spot could do that for him. But what's your take on these three? Yeah, those are the big three for me as well as for everyone. Um, I think where myself, I know uh, my co-host Mike, uh, are completely in sync on this, but not everybody is. I've seen Najee talked about as the third best uh, back by 
people that I really respect, which is insane to me. Uh, Najee is so far and away the best prospect to my eyeballs, to what I look for. Uh, the knocks on Najee to me are he's older, which is legitimate, right? You get a year less of value if you're in a dynasty league. Um, you know, a lot of times people knock the four-year uh, college athletes, which is more fair in, you know, at the wide receiver position um, and also less fair if you're at Alabama because you got to wait. I mean, it's, it's an NFL factory. So if you want your turn as a superstar college player, you're going to have to wait um, for that to happen. So I, I don't knock him really for either of those things. I think he's a complete back. He has everything I look for on film. And my favorite trait, when I'm looking at, like, not not just a, a weapon out of the backfield, but, like, a true, I want this guy to be dominant in fantasy football at the running back position, what I really want to see in college is the inability of defenders to tackle them. If it's one-on-one, -on -one, if it's a one-on-one -on -one situation, okay, how many of those come up in a, in a college game where it's like, okay, he got in space, and now it's one-on-one. -on -one. Will he break this tackle or will the defender get him? I don't ever remember. I don't ever remember seeing a solo guy just, yep, no, he beat Najee on that play. It's like it's a village at the end of every play taking down Najee Harris. I love that in college. I think that's going to translate. What's a better landing spot for running back, Miami or Pittsburgh in your mind? I think it's Miami. Um, the Pittsburgh offensive line obviously had problems last year. It seems like a team more on the way down versus a team on the way up. Those are two of my favorite landing spots, though. I think both are great ones, primarily because what the coaching staff has shown us is that they want a guy. They want someone who's going to be a three-down back. They want someone who's going to be on the field all the time, someone that's really going to control uh, the offense from the running back position, and I love that. I mean, that James Robinson last year was unfathomably great for fantasy, and primarily it was just because he got everything. He was 90% of the running back touches and snaps, um, and if that's happening from any team, we saw that for years, obviously, with Lev Bell, um, you know, in, in Pittsburgh, and last year it didn't, it didn't matter who it was. If it was itty-bitty Miles Gaskin, if that's the guy up, they're like, okay, you get all of the work. Oh, you're injured and we're going to Ahmed? Okay, you get all of the work. So if either of them spend high capital on a running back, they will be a three-down workhorse. What about the Jets? You like the Jets like third or fourth in line or? Probably uh, fourth in line. Uh, the Cardinals, I, I would still say if they were to take someone, there's a lot of opportunity on a good offense. The Jets... A lot of opportunity, not a, not you know, not a great offense yet, and uh, obviously you're going to have a rookie quarterback there, so that's not going to be super helpful. See, I love I love that because you you know I th I feel like everyone thinks I'm biased because I'm in Arizona, but I, I really do see the value in in taking a running back, but you're, but the odds again are probably a lot lower than than I want them to be. Um, okay, so let's let's play a little game here. So. Uh, if the Jets are your fourth favorite landing spot, let's say Najee lands with the Jets, but ETN lands with the Dolphins, who's your number one rookie running back? ETN lands with the Dolphins and Najee with the Jets. That is that is re that I don't want that to happen. Um, <laughs> I, I think I would foolishly put ETN first, and I, don't I guess that that means well. So here's. Here's kind of the, you know, we can relate it to what we saw last year where Jonathan Taylor was the guy that we 
really loved in the pre-draft process. I was uh, one of the lower people on Clyde Edwards Alaire. I didn't I wasn't as enamored uh with the college film as most of the industry was, but when he went to Kansas City and was the only running back drafted in the first, it was an easy and obvious okay, he's first. Um I'm going to take him over Jonathan Taylor for sure. And then, you know, as the season played out, you're like, "Man, Jonathan Taylor's really good. We knew he was good." Um the difference, though, is the Colts were still a good team, and I'm not sure that the Jets are going to be a great team. So I would I would probably still have the same logic I used last year and put ETN ahead in that situation. I love ETN. I think he's the best pass catching back in this draft, um, and you know he needs to find a good place that will cater to that. And you know, there's some risk. I think to like he feels like he has way, like more upside in my opinion, but more risk. And I think Najee has that like safe uh, Marshawn Lynch type value, you know, where he could be six to 12 overall in drafts for, you know, four years, five years. And that's good. That's really good. Whereas I think ETN has the potential in the right spot to be a little bit better, maybe not even that much better, but a little bit better. But he could also be a complete bust if he lands in the wrong environment. But yeah, it's these these running backs are definitely the weakest part of this very, very good draft class. Uh, from from Trevor Lawrence, who I think could have a top five uh, quarter, uh, top five future at the quarterback position. Um, how do you feel about Lawrence? Do you think he's got eventual Peyton Manning like uh, ability? I know a lot of people hate to throw names around like that before you've seen a player take a snap, but I feel like I I like to do that. I like to try and be predictive with things, and um, you know I try not to be reckless with it. But with Lawrence, I feel that this guy is truly special and he's going to be in that top five or six conversation very very quickly yeah I mean I mean that's the goal right is to predict what's going to happen and and if you can predict a superstar before they're a superstar great well this one's easier to predict uh I think a lot of people throw those names out uh you know the best prospect since Andrew Luck I don't think I've ever heard in this entire draft season that sentence not thrown out when talking about uh Trevor Lawrence and and it's it's true because it's very, very rare that the number one recruit out of high school is the number one recruit out of college. But when that happens, when the guy who was supposed to, I mean, I'm wearing a drafted to be great shirt. This guy was brought into college to be great and then was better than expectations, got better every single year. And now is the, the, you know, the clear first pick in the draft. So I I think he's going to be fantastic. Uh, a, A top six fantasy quarterback, for eight, nine, ten years, and so yeah, that that's that's exceptionally valuable for fantasy if you're in uh, any kind of dynasty league. Uh, Derrick Henry, do you have concerns about Derrick Henry coming off a two thousand yard season, which typically of the other running backs that have ever accomplished that have have literally seen their numbers get cut in half, or in some cases worse. Barry Sanders is the one that was closest to replicating. Uh, coming off that 2,000-yard season. But when you have a guy like Henry who was at 303 uh, 303 carries in 2019, completely used, you know, uh, overworked in 2020, about 400 total carries if you include the playoffs, a lot of things coming together to make him, in my opinion, a pretty big risk at his ADP or the expectation level for him at least. Um, Do you have concerns that this could be the year Henry falls off? Or if not, what running back... Do you have concerns about that others might not have that you feel kind of similar about? 
Um, yeah, I mean, we we just did our this this week on the fantasy footballers. We had our top twenty rank, you know, our early pre-draft rankings of existing veteran running backs. I was the lowest on Derrick Henry, but I was still at six. I, I I don't expect him to fall off. I don't expect his workload to go away. I don't expect his legs to um, be tired from a busy season. Um, Derrick Henry has always been the outlier, right? There's so many statistical reasons why Henry shouldn't work, but he was the number three running back last year, and he was the number three running back the year prior. But again, I said I was lowest on him because there are concerns. Primarily, I always want a running back that can catch the ball because you can't be game scripted out. And secondarily, there are it's not just Derrick Henry and worries of like, okay, because he's had such a workload, his legs are going to collapse or he's going to get a season-ending injury. Uh, those things can happen to literally anyone. It, it, it's it's almost irrelevant. Every single, I mean, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, the one and two last year, injured. It doesn't matter who you are. If you're running back, you can get injured. So take that out. The team, the offense is so shallow. If A.J. Brown gets injured, th- th- I mean, that's going to be bad news. You saw that even when they had Corey Davis last year. Um, the first three weeks of the season, Derrick Henry wasn't this awesome guy when A.J. Brown wasn't there. He was the running back 14 week one, wasn't in the top uh, 24 running backs. I think he was running back 36 in week two. So, um, yeah, there are concerns for – and you, you you lost Arthur Smith. So there's concerns to me of the Tennessee Titans and the offense in general. Um, but I, I still – I'm not betting against Derrick Henry. It's just if I'm up at the top of a draft and I'm looking at other great options at running back, I will probably side with the other guys. I, that's, that's exactly how I feel. Um, I, there's always what I call a line in the sand – where a player goes from avoid, 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 flips on over to a value grab. And I don't know where my line in the sand, to be honest, is with Henry. Um, probably a lot lower than I'm willing than, than he's ever going to fall to. So I feel like I'm 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 most likely going to be a guy that doesn't own a single share of Derrick Henry in redraft. I own him in one dynasty league. Um, Let me ask tr- you two names that that came up on the show. I'm I'm curious if you'd take Derrick Henry or these guys, uh, Ezekiel Elliott. Because he he's in the same boat where it's like I don't know I don't know how I feel about him because anybody with his kind of mileage is not relevant anymore like he has mileage that's crazy and you know a guy can look good like Derrick Henry's you know it's so influential when you see chains hanging around his neck and he's doing pushups and you're you're not thinking oh you're oh he can't he can't get hurt but but knees they break down um, uh, Terrell Davis had talked about it before when he saw Todd Gurley running he said Todd Gurley's done. Um, and it's because he knows Terrell Davis said that there was a game he knew when his knees were just not going to cut it anymore. And it was in the middle of a game and he still was doing pretty well the rest of the game, but he knew it was his last real solid game. Like your knees can only take so much. A running back's different than any other position. And at some point it, it happens quick. It happens so fast. And Zeke Elliott already looked inefficient at times. And you could, you could play the whole, like, you know, well, Tony Pollard comes in, change of pace, different defensive scheme, does well. Very explainable why a backup could look better than a starter at times. The offense fell apart. I think he's a value grab at like 8, 9, 10 in maybe one or two leagues. But the fact that I will tell you it would only be one or two leagues, let's say if I'm doing 10 leagues, 
um, means that I'm concerned enough to not put all my eggs even close to, to in one basket with him. A but lot of people concerned with with Zeke this year. I am cuff, not Pollard, and then projecting that. But I get it. I get it. You don't want to be left holding the bag. I think if you have Pollard, it's pretty safe, and and I think it's crafty to have Pollard without Zeke too. Um, but I think if you have Pollard, it's safe enough to deploy in a redraft. But in a dynasty. I don't want any part of what the the cost of entry is. You know, I'd rather go after wide receivers or something because right. And You'd that's the thing. Trade a Zeke for a Chris Godwin if if you could find someone in your league willing to do that. Uh, you know, I don't know about Godwin because I feel like he's oh. a lot like Odell, like very talented. But you're, will, will you're, we ever? You're ruining my piece over here. I, you're yeah. ruining it, Smitty. Back behind the production uh, desk over here <laughs> is Brooks, who's listening in. Don't do and it. He has Zeke, and I have offered. Chris Godwin for Zeke, and he should be taking this deal. And you were supposed to back me up on that and say, "Yes, Brooks, trade Zeke for Godwin." Well, no, um, let so me put it. Let me put not it this way: positive about Godwin. We're not talking about Godwin. Let me put it this way: I feel they're very, very similar. Like there's a lot of risk for both of them, and I don't know that we'll ever see what we need to see out of Godwin um, to be that you know wide receiver one that we've been waiting for. Like Odell, Odell is talented, but we'll never, you know, we don't know if we're ever going to see him, him produce, but I will say that if you need a wide receiver or you need a running back, that would be a darn even swap with the same kind of risk. I think on both sides and Godwin's younger. So if you're in a dynasty, it does make a little more sense. Um, but Zeke Elliott, I'm okay with in redraft for one, one or two leagues out of 10, as long as I have Pollard and I think Dak, I think I love Lamb. Lamb's in my top five. I think Lamb's a top five wide receiver in 2020. You don't pay that. I'm not recommending anybody pay that, but I absolutely think he's going to explode. And Zeke might have one more year squeaked out of, of top five to six running back production. Maybe. Could be. <laughs> Possibly. Uh, who's the other name? Uh, the other name was Aaron Jones. I don't know how you feel on Aaron Jones versus uh, Derrick Henry. If you're in a redraft league, which way you'd go uh, there? Um, probably, man, in a redraft league, I feel there, I'd probably go, I would definitely draft Henry higher if push came to shove, but it might be like uncomfortable for me to actually do it because in my gut, I will want to go Aaron Jones. So I think I would trade down and take Aaron Jones, but get value out of that. Um, Aaron Jones was such an interesting offseason uh, move because here he is. He's going to free agency, right? One foot out the door. Everybody thinking he's gone. A.J. Dillon's the man. Everybody overdrafting A.J. Dillon, not thinking that coming back was a, a good possibility. And had he gone somewhere else, I would have been all out. I would have been completely out because here's a guy that has trouble staying healthy. He is touchdown dependent in a perfect environment that gives him what he needs in order to stay healthy, and he's going elsewhere. And the best thing for Jones was to return. We know what we're getting with him. We know the production we're getting with him. And Aaron Jones is top five running back upside, but the problem with him is the injury risk. Um, I, I had him on my bold predictions, Jason, the year he broke out, and it was because he came in with his nutrition on point. He was completely ripped. He took the offseason seriously. So depending on how he looks and if he's taking care of himself, I don't know if you know, if you have any insider information for me on it, but that will determine about how high I go on him because he's so injury prone. 
And and I would have been out because he would have got more work somewhere else trying to make up for not getting that touchdown production. But Chase Edmonds smells a lot like that situation because, you know, here's Chase Edmonds, you know, everybody thinking he's starting, he's starting, he's starting, boom, he's not, you know, or maybe he's seeing competition. So I saw a lot of similarities between Edmonds and, and Dylan. Um, what do you, what's your take on those two? On Edmonds and Dylan? No, no, no. On on uh, Aaron Jones and Henry. Uh, I I really like both of them this season. I I would have Henry uh, ahead. I still think you know when when you go back to back top three and you're dominating and you're always dominating at the end of the season as well when it matters. If we're talking about redraft leagues, I, I'm not out on Derrick Henry. Um, I I actually think this year when I'm looking comparatively to the last couple seasons, I think there's a little bit more depth at running back uh, than in previous years. I'm, I'm looking at, you know, 13, 14, 15. I think uh, Chris Carson's my running back 15. I, I like him this year. So it's it's rare. In the past, I've been like, man, if you don't get one of these, one of these four or six guys, it's just it's over at the position. Um, I don't feel that this year. Do you like wide receiver, wide receiver at all? Um, I'm doing a lot of mocks where from the 12 spot, I end up with – you know, uh, DK and Ridley or or Jefferson and DK, if it's Dynasty, I like Jefferson that much. Um, and Redraft, he falls a lot further, which is awesome. Um, and if you want to tell me how you think, uh, what you think about Jefferson, why you're at it, that'll be great. But do you like wide receiver, wide receiver, and do you feel comfortable enough that you could land a Monty and a Clyde or a Clyde and, you know, a couple players like Mike Davis? Do you think you could deliver the same kind of winning production from a wide receiver, wide receiver approach from the 12th spot in 2021? Because every year is different. Sometimes it's easier yeah. to do than others. Um, I don't. I, I'm still, I mean, we've got a saying on our show, stay water. We don't ever want to just say, well, this is the strategy I'm using. Yes. You know, every draft's going to fall different. But in general, I don't like going wide receiver, wide receiver to start, unless it's dynasty. If it's dynasty, I'm pretty much always going to go wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. Uh, to start, but um, in a you real draft you, it, in Dynasty, you will you go wide receiver. Yeah, wide Dynasty, the, okay. the the lifespan of wide receivers yes. is just so much better than a running back. And and when you're in a startup draft, you know that's where all the the good young but veteran has already proved it. Wide receivers are scooped up, and then you can grab as many as possible in your startup draft and figure out running back later. That's that's my mentality in a Dynasty startup draft. Um, but in a redraft, the value that wide receiver provides, when, when you look, it's, it's about opportunity cost, right? Rounds three through seven, um, historically and even ADP this year, generally speaking, there's just so many wide receivers that I think are awesome. And in those rounds, it's like running backs, it could be, they, they could work out, but they're not as, as sure. If I go wide receiver, wide receiver in the first two rounds, then I'm kind of forcing myself to look at running backs, unless I'm willing to adopt a zero RB approach, which is fine. I don't enjoy that, so I don't ever do that. I, I just I can't stand starting a redraft league where I'm scrapping and clawing and hoping that at the end of the season um, it'll work out. Might be better this year with a 17-week season, but for the most part, I really like the value of wide receivers in rounds three through seven, and if I start wide receiver, wide receiver, I'm – kind of screwing myself over for the players I prefer in those mid rounds. I like the the water example. I tell everybody 
draft to your strengths. You can't use a blanket statement for somebody that is really good at drafting Kelsey in the first round or late or early second versus somebody that, that botches that every single year. Or if you're good at drafting Mahomes at 3.1 or 2.12 and other people land the next Josh Allen, strategies depend on the skill set of the owner. Um, and, and I think that, man... I either hate my my wide receiver wide receiver redraft team when I mock it, or I absolutely love it. It's very risky, but I feel like you know if those running backs fall, you know even if, especially like Najee Harris, um, which I don't know that you you would be able to land him later, like in August if he lands in a good spot because right won't. now he's just a name, he's not an actual you know. But in mock drafts, I've got Najee and Clyde or Najee and Monty. And Monty, I want to talk about next because I I, I saw a short clip. Uh, that you guys posted on it too, because I've been I've been talking about Monty for a while. So when I saw it, I stopped and and made sure I watched the this the small clip there. I think it was on IG, but it's where Mike was shocked to hear that Monty was the number four running back in 2020 in most scoring formats. Yet he's being completely discarded. But Nagy has been named the play caller in 2021, which is like the only thing I could think of that's as bad as if like Adam Gase was brought over to you know, directly monitor Monty's workload. What do you think of Monty in 2021 with that knowledge that Ga- that Nagy will be calling plays? And do you think he, if he climbed into like the third round, would you take him? Or is he like a, you know, late third, early fourth? Yeah, he, he'd, he'd probably need to go a little later than the third for me to really want to jump on the David Montgomery bandwagon. Uh, N- Nagy doesn't, doesn't bother me that much. Um, he, I'm not saying he's great, but, uh, you know, th- he's had a Mitchell Trubisky problem. He's had a quarterback problem. And and that's, you know, play callers always look so much better when their quarterback is good. Um, you know, Adam Adam Gase was great when he had Peyton Manning. And so uh, I think that's really the issue with the Bears. Um, and obviously, at the end of the season last year, David Montgomery was unbelievably fantastic and it was still Matt Nagy running the show as the the you know the main offensive guy there um my issue is last year what we saw was a real great you know a a perfect storm of losing Tyreek Cohen and having the easiest running back schedule through that stretch you know you look uh, you, you had Cohen there the first four weeks of the season and that's when you had David Montgomery as running back 37, running back 7, running back 39, running back 30 those weeks. Then when he was the guy, he was pretty much uh, top 24 running back or top 12 running back almost every single week the rest of the way out. Um, so I, I do think that, you know, with a little bit more competition there, healthier bodies in the backfield, I don't think his workload will be as extreme as it was last year. Yeah, Mont- Monty's tough. I, I think if I was in a... a- uh, wide receiver, wide receiver bind. You know, I went wide receiver, wide receiver, and I needed a running back. He would be a good bet, but I, I certainly am concerned about the workload and the way he felt with Nagy just dragging him down. Um, such a, a high expectation we all had for him entering his rookie year. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens. It's, it's, it's good value. Do you like, uh, and I mentioned him earlier, Justin Jefferson? I feel like out of all the wide receivers, my two favorite to be the most likely, like, and I'll ask you the same question. Give me one or two wide receivers that are the most likely that no one would expect 
to finish number one overall for all wide receivers. So it has to be kind of shocking. But, you know, Jefferson's not all that shocking. I think Lamb probably is a lot more shocking. But those are my two. Um, who do you think could be number one that would shock people? Number one overall. So you've got Jefferson and Lamb. Uh, to speak to speak to those two guys, I, I, I love both players. I think they're great. I think they could potentially be the, the number one. I, I still believe that it will be, and I've actually shifted my, my thoughts since the end of the regular season last year, but I, I still think Amari Cooper will be the one as far as fantasy wide receiver from the Cowboys on that team. Um, but if we're looking for players who could be the number one overall fantasy option without um, being drafted like that, some players that might come to mind would be DJ Moore, who I think is uh, going to see, you know, with Curtis Samuel gone, the offense presumably better possible quarterback upgrade might be neutral. Um, and the fact that, you know, the touchdowns weren't really there, um, he would be a name that I would throw out there. Um, outside of that crazy, uh, un- unrealistic, probably not going to happen, but a name that I think has the physical ability and could have the quarterback upgrade and maybe just lights the world on fire would be Terry McLaurin because I like that. You, know, I like that you, you need a little bit of magic. He's got the speed. He's got the physical traits, and now he's finally got a quarterback that, that can get him the ball. He's been a good fantasy option with trash at quarterback, and now you've got a guy who is going to throw a lot of uh, passes far in the air, sometimes to the other team, but all that means is he's going to throw it more. Um, so I, I, I like Terry McLaurin a lot this year. I like those two. So you heard it, guys. By low and McLaurin, by low and DJ Moore, Jefferson Lamb, obviously, been beating that drum for a while for all of you, but I like I like all those options as as some very very overperforming players given their ADPs. Um, any 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 idea who could maybe do that at the running back position that's not expected to be top five that you could see being top five at the running back position? We'll say it's top not, five. Yeah, that's not top five. Who could be top five? Um, let me pull up my running back rankings and I will I will tell you. Um, and I won't. I won't just tell you who I think. I'll tell you who it will be. Um, okay. <laughs> Get your pens out, people. Yeah. Um, at, at running back, if I were to pick someone that's how, – how, how far down do you want? Uh, I mean, obviously – Why don't you like pick a, a medium range that, that might not shock everybody and then somebody a little bit deeper? All right. We'll go me, medium range. I think Cam Akers could, okay. could do it. Um, you saw Todd Gurley year after year be the number one running back in that system. I think the system is better with Matthew Stafford, and he took over that role. He is exceptionally talented. If he gets that workload that we saw at the very end of the season and into the playoffs, I mean, he could be a guy with a ton of receptions, a ton of rushing touchdowns, and everything in between. So he, I think his ceiling is exceptionally high. Um, and then as far as someone a little bit further down that could possibly finish that high, this is one where it's all going to be about the NFL draft. I know he's going to be drafted later because he was undrafted in the NFL. But James Robinson was already a top like 10 one. running back. And if he escapes the NFL draft without another high capital running back being drafted, and that is a 
massive if. But if they are saying he is our guy going forward, I think that the offense is going to be certainly better than last year. More more touchdown opportunities for him. And every time you watched, if you just, you know, not a lot of people watched Jacksonville Jaguars games last year. But if you did get the opportunity to watch the film, it's just like he's another guy where every time he touched the ball, it was like a, a really positive play. Uh, nobody could tackle him on first contact, and he can do it all. So um, he's not going to be a highly drafted guy because of his NFL draft capital and the, the presumption that the Jags are going to be bad. But he was the running back seven last year. Coming into year two, quarterback upgrade. So there's there's some things, so long as the backfield stays as it is, uh, that could point him upwards. I like that. I, and we talked about, that was funny because at, at the beginning of the show, it was a lot of Acres talk, a lot of James Robinson talk, like literally like an oh, hour really, spent. your show today? Yeah, on this one. Yeah. I was not watching, but yeah, okay, I agree. So, well, no, no. Uh, I w- I disagree with you on Acres a little oh, bit. Um, I, I like his talent. You. I like his talent a lot. I just don't trust the the Rams and and the fact that I feel like you know there's still a little bit of injury concern for me, especially his style plays very aggressive with his own like neck and and he can unlearn some of those things. But I worry a little bit about injury. I worry a lot about the Rams coaching staff. But I love the talent. I think if he got the volume. And and I trusted the volume to be there, which I feel like coming out of twenty twenty one, there's twenty twenty, there's a lot of momentum for that. So I do like him, but I feel like he's getting way overdrafted. So the 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 whole conversation that I was having earlier was that at you know I, I see him going at nine, ten, eleven, like first player drafted value, and it depends on the mock draft you're doing, especially dynasty is going that high, and to me that's just way too high. But I love James Robinson, and I went on a big rant about how everyone's off their rocker talking about how he's an unrestricted free agent. Those guys never get second contracts. Priest Holmes, Arian Foster, there's always outliers. And there's psychology behind this in fantasy football where you have people that doubt a guy like James Robinson because they didn't find him. And they want so badly for him to fail so that they can be vindicated in their doubt that they initially had or they're missing him. And James Robinson, off of his 14 games, uh, was you know a thousand yards, ten total touchdowns. The dude looked really good. Four point five yards per carry, I believe, was the stat um, average. Uh, so give him a quarterback, give him room to run. I absolutely think they're going to utilize him, and I agree with you. He is that top five running back potential. And in dynasty, do you, would you be shocked if I told you? Maybe you know that his his dynasty ADPs like in the third round. No, that doesn't shock me at all. I mean, it, it's one of those things where I mean, I just I just touted him, and I can see, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, a great future for James Robinson if they genuinely and I believe they should. If I were the general manager uh, of the Jaguars, I'd be using all the capital you have in the NFL draft on on every other piece. Your your running back room is fine with Carlos Hyde and James Robinson. I, if they do that, I think that he's got a bright future, but. You know, you, the, the shades of Philip Lindsay, right? Philip Lindsay came in undrafted, uh, rookie free agent, and was awesome. Was a was a running back one his rookie year, over a thousand yards, and then it was like, eh, you know, but there wasn't a lot of investment in him. Mm-hmm. They didn't use him as much the following season. He was okay. Then they go out and sign Melvin Gordon. Now he's not on the team because there's no investment, um, and this isn't even the regime that really brought in. 
James Robinson. It's not the not the same coaching staff that utilized him last year. So I get in a dynasty startup, I'm probably avoiding James Robinson because those early picks are so important. I want assured wide receivers early in my dynasty startup. If I just light my third round pick on fire and there's too large of a chance that that happens, even if I don't think that should happen, then I, I would probably avoid James Robinson in the third. Yeah, I mean, that's what a lot of people share that opinion. I, I just think he's a he's, he's in a safe place there. I, I don't like him higher. Um, I actually was shocked at my own rankings when, after I heard he was like, everyone kept debating it on a clubhouse room I was in and I went and I'm like, okay, let me mock draft this. And I couldn't put him in the top uh, 24 but I still love, like by default, love him in the third round. I think I think J.K. Dobbins is another good one that could potentially crack the top five. I think Antonio Gibson would be another one if I had to throw out two more that you didn't cover. And and make no mistake about it, I I, I even said this at the beginning of the show. Acres is capable of it. There's no reason he can. It just comes down to do you trust the Rams? Um, you know they didn't use him for a long time uh, until the end of the year, <laughs> so. You know, my, my avoiding him in 2020 worked out for the most part because by the time he got going, it was a, a little too late for a lot of people. But, um, you know, he's a he's a talented guy. And if he gets the volume, he certainly could could be, you know, five to ten worthy for running backs. I, I, I don't disagree with that. Um, Saquon Barkley. And uh, do you got to go? No, no, I'm, okay. I'm good. We'll, we'll okay. finish this. We'll finish this out. Okay, we got yeah, we got about 19 minutes here. So Saquon Barkley looking pretty good coming off the the ACL injury so far. A lot of film out there of him doing these like amazing lunge jumps, and um, I, I have a little experience with knee injuries myself: torn ACL, torn LCL, torn meniscus, torn MCL, tore my patellar tendon off my kneecap. All at the same time? No, no. Oh, I was like, that was a brutal. <laughs> no, this is injury. injury. I mean, yeah, a lot of these are the same time for Saquon, right? Well, he had all, the, the ACL, the MCL, and the meniscus. All of them were the same time, but the, the patellar tendon. Um, okay. So, yeah, I tore all that. But I tore my patellar tendon off my kneecap. Um, and so it was, like, floating in the lower part of my thigh. And I was, like, trying to push it back in place, like the 10-second rule. I wasn't sure if it was, like, the Mahomes, like, out-of-pocket thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, but, yeah, you know, I up here wasn't a good move. Um, I would have passed out. So I have a, I have a lot. I'm versed in the injury stuff, but I can say for, with certainty that that when you have a, a quad as strong as Saquon Barkley's, uh, when you have uh, surrounding knee muscles that a lot of other people don't have, your knee joint itself is tighter from the get go. So that's one reason Adrian Peterson had such a good recovery because he trusted his knee. There wasn't compensation involved uh, like with other players that might not have as strong of a, a leg um, to you know kick off that recovery. I, I firmly believe that Barkley is going to have that Adrian Peterson like. I'm not saying he's going to rush for 2,000 yards, but I think he's going to look like he didn't miss a step or a, a beat at all coming into 2021. And it's so rare to do that. And look at like Dalvin Cook. You look at other running backs; they overcompensate. They oftentimes get hit with like a hammy injury uh, during that season from the overcompensation. But Barkley was, you know, he's been climbing from like nine, eight. He was kind of right around Zeke where Zeke was. Uh, a month ago, two months ago, but now he's climbing into the top five overall in redraft. Uh, do you agree with that? What's your take on Barkley? Are you avoiding him? Break that uh, down. No, no, I've I've got him in my top five running backs, and that means he's probably in my top five picks for redraft. Um, there are definite concerns. Um, the fact that it was the ACL, MCL, and meniscus 
meant that he didn't actually get surgery because, you know, it was, it was an early injury, which is mm-hmm. great for a timeline usually, but he didn't get surgery until October. Um, so that pushes his timeline back a little bit. So I believe it's possible that Saquon could get off to a slow start, slower than you want when you draft him top five. But I definitely think he's going to be awesome this year. And I would be willing to take a slow start uh, because, you know, I, I think the Giants offense has the opportunity to be good. Uh, you get Saquon back, you add Kenny Galladay, um, and that that should matter for your offense. And um, Daniel Jones, he's not my favorite, but a lot of the end of the season was not fair to him with the injuries he was dealing with. The fact that I remember one game watching it, and it was like, why are they allowing him to be in the game? Because he had already he had already had that injury, and you watch Daniel Jones; he's he's an mobile uh, rushes for a, a surprising amount of yards. But more important than that, uh, you know, escapes the pressure and rolls out part of the fumbling problem. But you watched him in this game. This is a quarterback that doesn't know how to play as a statue. You know, he's not a pocket only passer. And he couldn't move. He couldn't even, like, move to the right or left a little bit. And I was watching this game like, this is on the Giants. This guy should not be in the game. So I think that he's been knocked a little bit too hard for what we saw at the end of the season. Um, I I like Saquon. I'm I'm, I'm in. But he might be an even better trade-for target if he gets off to a slow start at the beginning of next year. Yeah, good point. Uh, Quarterbacks. Um, Mahomes, I, I assume, is your number one. I like him. I think he's going to be like, good this year. I like him. <laughs> yeah. He's solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, solid number two. Number two and number three in redraft and number two and number three in dynasty for quarterbacks. Um, number two and number three uh, in both are going to be the same. Um, it's going to be Ky- Kyler Murray and Josh Allen. I want the dual threat. I want the ability to throw the ball. They're both young enough where um, – you know, for dynasty or for redraft, it's the same. I go back and forth all the time on Kyler versus Josh Allen. I think I've got Kyler ahead, and here's my rationale. Uh, Josh Allen was awesome. I mean, he he played the perfect season for him. I don't see him going up a notch from what he did last year. Last year to me is, if I'm drafting him, I hope he repeats. He looked awesome. I don't see why he shouldn't be just as good. But Kyler wasn't perfect. Kyler really looked, you know, he he didn't always look great. Um, and I, I think that he has room to actually improve on last year. I don't think he's peaked yet. So I would take Mahomes, Kyler, then Josh Allen. And to your point on the on the Kyler, you know, needing to improve on a lot of different levels is inefficient, made some bad decisions. I, that's more reason why I'm saying draft Najee Harris if he's there, Arizona Cardinals, please. Um, my, I, I'd say Josh Allen's my number two across the board, Dynasty Redraft. Uh, but Herbert's my number three. And I think especially... Dynasty or Redraft? In, in both. And I think if Hot Herbert... Team. Well, I don't know that it's that. I mean, chat. Tell me in the chat if you guys think that that's bull. But for, I think for Kyler's redraft, right there. You what? For redraft, I think it's a, li- a a little hot take. I mean, I get it, right? He was unbelievably great, um, and and taking a step forward, he should be even better. But 
his rushing that he started with in the beginning of the season completely went away, which is kind of what you expect for someone yeah. with his arm talent. Um, but that hurts for fantasy. And then the defense who, what, that was plagued by all the injuries last year, I think will be significantly better. I don't think he's going to have to be in a shootout every single game like he was last year. Um, but I, but I get it. I mean, I get taking the shot on Herbert. He does your mind awesome. Does your mind change if somehow Devonta Smith falls to the Chargers to thirteen? Does, uh, do yeah, yeah. I'm a big Devonta Smith fan. Okay. If he went to the Chargers. I'd be very sad. I would be very sad. Why? Be- because the Cardinals are three picks later. Oh, <laughs> and, oh my god! <laughs> okay, I got you. If like I'm fine. Devonta Smith, I think should be drafted in the top ten. But if Easily. he gets that close to the 16, Easily. I'm going to be so upset. Easily. Um, but does that make Herbert your number two quarterback, especially in Dynasty, if he gets Devonta Smith? Or let's say Kyle Pitts. Let's say they move up. Because I think, and I know I'm so offensive-minded, and I admit I'm biased. I'm very, very, like I always want offensive guys to be taken. But I strategically, you know, I run out of offensive players from this rookie class. So I can't put offensive players in every team. But I target certain teams. I'm like, this is where Kyle Pitts would dominate. Uh, Kyle Pitts in, uh, in a Chargers uniform or Devonta Smith would make Herbert a bona fide number two overall. He could, You could make an argument for higher, but I'm just going to stop at two and say if Devonta Smith or Pitts are on roster, he is a bona fide number two dynasty uh, quarterback. Um, and and I'll go as far as to say I, I, I agree with you. I love Smith. I don't know why people doubt him. I know that people worry about his 170-pound frame, but he's great at press coverage. I believe led the entire FBS in yardage touchdowns and receptions in press coverage. And he also out of everybody in the FBS, I think had over 600 or more yards than every other receiver. The guy is just phenomenal, dominated everybody. And and I don't understand how there's this doubt around him, but tell me your thoughts on Devonta Smith and then circle back to the, the Herbert thing. Yeah. Devonta Smith is my clear cut number one wide receiver in this draft. I totally actually do understand the fears people have. You look at the metrics and you, I mean, to be six one one seventy, there's, there's like virtually no example of success in the history. Marvin Harrison was near that. So maybe one, um, it's just not a body frame that has ever worked in the NFL. And so on that alone, and then you add in the usually four-year prospects at wide receiver are not good bets to be great fantasy. Both of those things don't matter to me at all. Um, Alabama, you're you're behind three other first-round NFL draft picks. Okay, he needed to wait till year four. It's 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 a unique situation. And when it comes to the body type, I cannot possibly look at film or look at analytics and say that this guy's not just a perfect wide receiver prospect. I'm not going to look at the scale. I'm not going to look at a scale on the ground versus film and stats and say, look, this guy's just, he's an outlier. Um, So I absolutely love Devon Smith. He is, I I hope, and I think he's going to be great in the NFL. Um, Let's say he goes to the Chargers, and whether that means Herbert is in that conversation for the number two in redraft, he wouldn't be for me. Um, I wouldn't call it hot takey. If someone put him there, I need a guy who's going to run. If you're not Patrick Mahomes, I need a guy that's going to run a ton to put you at number two, and that's going to be Josh Allen and Kyler Murray, well, Lamar I, Jackson. I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I understand. You know, in fantasy, you got you to gotta have the wheels. 
and I understand. I mean, I have Kyler right there. I have Kyler at three, two, two, three. You know, even my rankings, right? They switch. They switch around. I'm like you. I, it depends on what I ate for breakfast. Um, but honestly, I think this quarterback class is is just so deep. Like even Burrow at eight, it doesn't detour me away from going quarterback early though. And I get coined a lot in the industry as being the early quarterback drafter when really I just support all avenues of quarterback consumption. Um, So whether it's Mahomes at 3.1, I'm ecstatic about, or if I have to take Josh on at 4.01, I'd do it in a heartbeat. But I still cultivate those breakout quarterbacks so that I can make a trade and trade one of them off. Are you never drafting Mahomes at like, 3.01 3.01 are you are you set in in like I can get running back and wide receiver value and I'll always stream my quarterback or find a good value quarterback because this class is so or this pool in 2021 so deep or are there times where you do take Mahomes because he is the best player on the board so in reality when I'm doing real drafts I can't remember other than one time last year and we're in, obviously in a lot of leagues that I pull the trigger on that early quarterback if if Mahomes fell to the middle of a third um you know I I would definitely be willing looking at the board instead of taking a tier or two or three down on running back or wide receiver I could see myself pulling the trigger on Mahomes I'm not like anti that I'm not going to shame that as as a concept but for the most part I am I'm if I'm not going to get Mahomes at the very get-go I am looking more for the breakout or the guy that is disrespected, one of those two, that's going to be rounds 8, 9, 10, 13, whatever, and stock up uh, depth at the non-onesie positions where you need flex options, you need bi-week replacements, you need injury replacements, you know, all the time. Quarterback's just so easy to get away with having one on your roster. I need depth at running back and wide receiver. And, And one quarterback last year that I was so high on, and he was so disrespected. I don't know if you guys felt the same way there, uh, but Aaron Rodgers, like ninth, tenth rounder, it was insane. He was thirty-seven years old. You can obviously play well past thirty-seven years of age, and he did not lose anything talent-wise. It was a complex situation where Devonta Adams was hobbled. He got he was out for a big portion of the year. Even when he came back, he was lingering and hobbled. And they they basically transformed a you know they makeshifted their offense into a run heavy system that fed Aaron Jones what was it nineteen TDs on the ground whatever that number was. And so he was so doubted coming into twenty twenty and he was a value. He screamed value. And there's one quarterback that comes to mind this year that that fits that mold. And by default, even if you tell people that you're going to take him, he doesn't go because there's so many other names that just by default go ahead of him. But it's Russell Wilson. He's falling to like eight, nine out of all drafted quarterbacks. And to me, because he's capable of being a three, four overall quarterback, I'm not saying that there aren't consistency concerns or now, you know, there's issues there in house. Is he happy? But he's got DK Metcalf. He's got Lockett. He's got Carson. Um, this offense is still going to produce, and he's fully capable, in my opinion, of returning to the top five quarterback conversation anytime he wants. Um, what do you think about him as the eighth drafted quarterback? And is he, does he feel a little bit Aaron Rodgers to you from last year? Uh, yeah, yes and no. I mean, he's he's a value there. He's going to be a quarterback one for sure this year. He is every year. Um, you alluded to it a little bit, but my issue with Russ is the consistency. Um, 
you know, I, I, when you have someone like Russell Wilson, you pretty much have to play him. You play him every single week. You're not streaming that position. He's in your lineup. The problem is Russell Wilson has a lot of bad games. Uh, you know, he has games where he actively hurts you in fantasy um, because they just decided to run the ball a lot that week. And now the team is really – they haven't just come out and said we want to run the ball more. They've made the changes. The offensive coordinator, after meeting with Pete Carroll, said, I'm going to quit because I disagree with you as a difference of philosophy. So um, I, I, I definitely think Russell Wilson is going to be – you know, if you look at you get him at eight, is he going to finish above eight next year? I would say probably so. So you could you can call that a value. But in a redraft league, did he help you win a championship? Did he help you win more games and he helped you lose versus getting more value somewhere else and then streaming the position, playing good matchups every single week? Uh, so you so you actually have a higher bar of consistency. Um, you know, I probably won't be going after. Russ, unless he drops to the tenth round or so, then then you can be like, okay, I'm going to stream with Russ. I'm going to play the right matchups that I like, um, and 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 not play the other ones. Are there any quarterbacks you feel like I feel about Russell Wilson that that are falling, like Burrow or Hertz, um, anybody like um, that that stands out to you that that could be an absolute like win a league type land later on? Yeah, I mean, I don't think he'll be where he is now when he's drafted. But Jalen Hurts, to me, mm-hmm. is going to be a phenomenal fan. He's going to be a top-five quarterback at the position. Uh, you know, right now I'm looking at him, and I see him in, the, you know, the eighth round. I will grab Jalen Hurts in the eighth round all the time. I don't believe that's going to be realistic when everybody comes back, you know, assuming that no Justin Fields drops to the Eagles and they and they take him. If, if Hurts is the guy... Um, I, I think he's going to be much higher. Um, if I'm talking about other wide receivers that I think are going to be disrespected or forgotten, I'm not sure where people will be drafting Dak, but I would very much prefer him over Herbert, who's, you know, your number two. You look at the receiving core, and it's it's better. It's better than even if you add Devonta Smith or Kyle Pitts to the Chargers. I think the receiving core is better in Dallas and the defense is worse and the propensity to just air it out is there. So uh, he's someone that if he drops at a draft, I'm going to be really excited to scoop up. I mean, look, we saw him play at an elite level before he went down and, and there's no denying those options. And you heard how high I am on, uh, on Lamb. So it wouldn't shock me at all if he flirted in that you know four to six range, no question. And it wouldn't shock me if Herbert took another year to get to that that two level maybe i'm a year early in redraft we'll see where i rank him uh closer to august but i i still firmly believe he could drop those kinds of numbers and 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 when i say he's number two on my rankings my rankings are also a little bit different because my rankings need to be used with adp um (laughs) because where i rank guys is not where i recommend people draft them um so sometimes people will see like Devonta Smith sky high on my dynasty rankings. And then they come out of a draft and they're like, okay, I took him and everyone laughed at me. You told me to take him high. Uh, so, you know, it's a little different from where I rank them. And that's a tough thing with what we do, right? Cause you got to pick, you got to pick, are you going to guide someone based on ADP, but with some advice of, you know, where the sleepers lie, or are you going to produce a set of rankings that you predict to be the actual outcome and then advise someone to ensure they use ADP. So that's something I struggle with for all 18 
uh, 19 years that I've been doing this. Uh, and, and I tend to stay with the, the where I predict them to actually fall. So me ranking them too, I get away with drafting Herbert as late as I can. You know, So let me clarify that. Um, Kyle Pitts, you brought him up. Everyone's talking about him. Everybody's pretending they found him. It's getting a little annoying. Uh, everybody loves him. So tout him up and uh, and tell me how how uh, how high do you think he could be ranked in dynasty after one calendar year? Um, yeah, I mean, I I feel like I feel like I'm the anti Pitts guy, and Ooh. it's not because I think he's not great. He's the best receiving tight end I've ever seen. Um, so I'm with everybody. He's unbelievably great, but there's a long track record of first round tight ends not working in the NFL the way that we hoped the hype didn't hit they take a while to come to their own that's widely known uh you know the Travis Kelsey's and George Kittles they didn't do it in year one and they also weren't first round draft picks um Kyle Pitts is awesome he's gonna be great but when I'm looking at rookie rankings rookie startup drafts you know I see people talking about Pitts at two you know or Definitely top five. Uh, I think we we had a footcast today where uh, we were talking about the 109. And, you know, I was saying, well, if Pitts can fall there and my two other co-hosts, and maybe rightly so, were saying that's impossible that, Pitt could, that Kyle Pitts could fall there. If I was drafting every single pick, like I was, it was 12 Jasons in that league, there's a good chance Kyle Pitts would be there at the nine spot. I think that's about where I would be willing to draft him because um, I don't, I just don't like holding and developing the the, the tight ends, and maybe I'm insane. Um, he, like I said, he's unbelievably talented, and I think the destination is going to make a difference. Yeah. Um, there are a Definitely couple of destinations did. at the top of the draft that he's been mocked to that are not good. Yeah, um, I don't like where Detroit. there's already another tight end there. You know, if he goes to the Broncos and uh, he's with fan and no quarterback, like, Detroit are you really. Detroit, exactly. You got T.J. Hawkinson and a bad quarterback. Um, Philadelphia needs a, a you know as many weapons as they can have, and they've had the two tight end system. But then it's Dallas Goddard, and you know there are spots he goes where I think just saying, well, the talent is so great that you got to take him at the very tip top, and he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think that's carried away. So uh, one of the last things I'll say, uh, I'm playing in a league against Andy, actually, and uh, it's a league with Darren Waller that he's in for charity. Uh, g- give me a little like tip to uh, to throw him off during the draft. To throw him off during the draft. I, I, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, you're not going to throw him off. He's going to smoke <laughs> at all y'all in the league. He's going to represent right. our brand. Um, and I mean, that's just how it is. I got to represent the ballers over here. This is the one with Hugh Jackson. Yeah, Hugh Jackson. Oh, yeah. he's taking. He's taking. Hugh Jackson. T Pain. Yeah, I'm telling you this. Hugh Jackson's the reason Andy's in this league because he's uh, Hugh. The Hugh Jackson's been a uh, a figure on our show uh, for yeah, as long as we've been around. A fun time. I think Andy has. I don't think it's on the set, but in the office, a signed Hugh Jackson uh, autographed picture because um, Andy was a Hugh Jackson believer, while Mike and I were not. Um, and then it's become a funny bit. But, uh, yeah, we're all rooting for Andy as far as how to throw him <laughs> off. Um, you know, maybe try to uh, trade him Cardinals or guys that he says Done. he really likes and maybe he'll pay up a little bit too much for. 
since we're close, so maybe I'll just have a bullhorn uh, airing outside really loud, pointed in your direction uh, so that it distracts them. Because I think we're, like I said, I think we're about two to, th- two to five miles apart right now. Oh, really? Um, wow. And uh, yeah, so so co- hopefully COVID doesn't, you know, do anything this season to delay the, the you know, or postpone games. Um, I guess that would be my final question to you. Do you anticipate a modified season at all do you think we get through this covid thing pretty i I said this over and over and over and over last season when the pandemic was truly horrific and and horrible and nobody knew what was going to happen i said the nfl will start week one on time it will finish the last week on time and it will go off without a hitch and it and it did now a year later with the vaccine rolling out these are going to be packed stadiums and nothing is going to get in the way of the NFL making its money. That's yeah. what it comes down to. We, That's why I said it last year. It, 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 there's there's no worry at all that something uh, COVID-related is going to stop the NFL from happening on schedule. Yeah, you guys are definitely pioneers in the video space. Um, you know, even somebody that's been doing it as long as I have, like I look up to you guys and uh, I think you've done such an amazing job paving the way for Everybody that does video and, and, and podcasting, it doesn't have to be video, audio podcasting, you really help keep and get, well, really get and then keep, uh, you know, fantasy football relevant for a lot of people. So without you guys, it would be a much smaller industry. I, I have 100% no, no doubt about that. So appreciate it. I appreciate the kind words. That's very nice. Yep. All right. Jason Moore, thank you. This is the Fantasy Football Show with your host, Smitty. You're watching the Fantasy Football Show. I'm Smitty.